Welcome to the podcast presentation of episode number four of Kansas City Food Memories. Now, don't forget that this is a podcast presentation of a live show, so do not call in or text in when prompted during the show. And also pay attention to the part where it says to sign up for the email newsletters. The reason for that is that I want to be doing several themed shows that you may want to participate in, including but not limited to fried chickens, the urban core, hamburgers, and date night spots. I have quite a few others planned, but those will be in the next few weeks. So sign up, get the heads up, and see if you can help us for an amazing show for all of us. Thank you. Enjoy. Good morning and welcome to Kansas City Food Memories, where we take you on a stroll down memory lane and share some fun stories about restaurants, bakeries, and cafes that we missed from the 80s and 90s. This is week number four or episode number four. I keep saying I'm going to come up with a system for that, but I don't have that yet. I am Robert Dunsing. My wife and I, we own Best Regards Bakery and Cafe in Overland Park. It's been kind of crazy. If you read the Kansas City Star, they had a front page article about us in yesterday's paper. I so, wish I had known that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Toby popped in for lunch yesterday. It was my and, wife, and I couldn't believe the number of people that yeah, were there. It, it, it was a little bit busy. between Not a little bit. Yeah, between that and uh, the Kansas City Chiefs and people wanting to buy Chief Sugar cookies. We, we were a little busy yesterday. Mm-hmm. Fortunately, too, I was, you were too busy. No, no, it's never too busy. Yeah, for me it was. I still had fifty seats outside on the patio. You got, you could have moved out. Did you to. know what temperature was yesterday? Yeah. Well, you were inside. Yeah, I was yeah. inside. It yeah. was, it was pretty good. It was cold. That was, that was a fun day yesterday. But it felt like old times. Felt like old times again. Three busy. years ago. Yeah, three years yeah. ago. Yes. Yeah, pre-COVID. It'll, well, the cool thing about best regards. You don't see anybody ha- unhappy in there. Everybody no. has a smile yeah. on their face. Well, you know, that when we created our website 24 years ago, uh, we, uh, we registered the URL makethemsmile.com. Yep, that's, and, the, and, that's right. And, and it really fits. We want to pick that, So, which comes in handy here. So on today's show, if you want to keep track of what's going on, if we um, bring up a few questions during today's show, I'll answer those. Um, I'll give you a heads up on that on my email that I send out on Monday or Tuesday. So the name of my business is Best Regards, but the website is makethemsmile.com. Go to that. You'll see kind of what I do, and you'll see information on the radio show. So there's two things. There will be a link to the podcast, so you can go to that. If you're podcast literate, just go to whatever directory that you use, Spotify, Pandora, Apple, Google, whatever it is, and you can uh, sign up to receive that show. But in the top left-hand corner is going to be a little box that says uh, newsletter, email newsletter, sign up for that. So um, the benefits of that, you'll know what's coming up on the next show. You'll get updates on what happened on the last one. And then also, if there's anything special going on in the bakery, I sent out email notice that we were taking online orders for the Chiefs cookies, and that sold out in about 10 hours. So if you sign up, you'll get a heads up on that. If you were fortunate enough to listen to last week, that was the best show um, that we've had so far. It was We had Ed Holland as our guest from EBT Restaurant. He told some great stories, and I do have one update. He has agreed to bring in his son and his grandson, and we're going to do a class on how to master Caesar salad at home. Mike, so, did you ever have a Caesar salad EBT? I did. It was great. Oh. Yeah, they're amazing. I yeah. You know, it's technique, it's recipes, and it's just um, they 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 mastered it. You know, they would make it at tableside there. That was the first time that when I first moved to Kansas City that I ever had a real Caesar salad. The tableside presentation was just 
Fantastic. Oh, oh, yeah. And so he and his son, they do it. And he, the last story he told was his son and his grandson called in. His grandson is like 12 years old, and he knows how to make the Caesar salad himself. So I'm going to have all three generations there at Best Regards. We'll be doing a class on that. That'll be fun. Yeah. So when is you, that? Um, I'll, we're, uh, we're going to get that scheduled probably in the next week or so. And so I'll post that via email. So if you want to be able to attend that, to sign for that, you need to get my email. So go to makethemsmile.com, be able to do that. During today's show, we'll be taking calls from you. And remember, this is not a show about lists. You can get that from Google. Our show is about stories. So if you have a story you want to uh, share with us that's relevant to kind of what we're talking about or you have somebody new that you want to bring up, you can do that. Our phone line today is, call-in line is 913-586-7798. You're probably going to go ahead and program that on speed dial on your phone but it's 913-586-7798. Now, if you catch us making a mistake or we just can't think of a name of a place or somebody's name or location, that same number is the text line. So go ahead and send in a text with your correction or suggestion at 913-586-7798. My first guest today is uh, Vinny. If you've ever bought one of our gooey butter cakes, you'll recognize the name. It's called Vinny's Gooey Butter Cake. He spent some time in St. Louis and talked me into creating that. But he's really here because he is um, Toby's childhood friend, and I'm hoping he can give us a good give us a good dirt story on Toby when he was younger. But um, because he's Toby's best friend, when I first came up with this concept um, for the show and I knew I was going to be able to do it, I presented it to Vinny and Patty. And so at first he goes, well, I can only think of one place, and I'll let you tell that story. And um, so what was the food memory that you came up with? It was John Francis restaurant. Yeah. So, and what was it? What was it about John Francis that fried chicken? Fried chicken. In fact, that's about all I could talk about was fried chicken. Oh yeah, yeah. So yeah, when Vinny got started on that, he, he I mean, he, he spoke for a good ten minutes about why. Because I asked him, I said, well, "What's so What's so special about John Francis?" Because at the time, I had never heard of it. Because I'd never eaten there, so I didn't remember that, and I didn't move to Kansas City until '86. And so it took me a while to learn all the really good food places in here. But what what stood out to you about John Francis Restaurant? Uh, the thing about John Francis Restaurant that that I enjoyed was the friendliness of all the people that work there. And uh, I actually worked in downtown Overland Park a few blocks away from John Francis Restaurant. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So I ate there every day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What was your what was the favorite food? What was your fried your chicken? Good, fried chicken. And it was called chicken in the rough. Mm-hmm. And I have no idea how they made that. Uh, and, and you don't know what the name chicken in the rough was from? No, I did not. And know. I so I followed up with Vinny. I asked him all these questions. Okay, what was special about the chicken? Why was it better than everybody else's? I don't know. Who else did you like? I don't know. <laughs> what was the chicken in the rough? I don't know. What else did you eat there? Nothing, just fried chicken. Just, why would you eat anything else? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, and that's one of the things that's come up a lot um, during the first few shows is there's different places that had just amazing fried chicken back, you know, back in the 80s that you just can't get nowadays. So someday in the near future, we're going to do a show dedicated 100% to fried chicken, to why it was good then, why, and I'm going to have a couple of experts that, 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 that can help us why it's hard to get nowadays. But um, were there any other restaurants that stood out to you back in the 80s? Oh, there were a lot of them. Pick uh, one. Another one that was fried chicken. Was, <laughs> <laughs> it was on uh, Santa Fe Drive. Okay. And I think the building's still there. Mm-hmm. 
I'm trying to think of the name of it. It was an Italian restaurant. Uh, it might have been Pasta Villa. But yeah, and I've got a picture of that for you. Oh, do you yeah, really? Yeah, I have that back in the office. Good. That uh, It had a little, it was a fried chicken, but very yeah. light breading. Yeah. had an Italian flavor to it. I've never found that anywhere else. Well, good. If you got a picture, I hope you got the recipe, I, that, too. Okay, so when we do our dedicated fried chicken speci- specialty show, I'll be sure to invite you on to that. Oh, great. Since you're my, you're my resident expert on that. So my next guest that's in studio with us, his name happens to be John Francis. Now, is that a coincidence, or what's the story? No, that's not a coincidence. I am the grandson of the original founder, John Francis, who's my grandfather, and his wife, Lucille. A family restaurant started in 1958, downtown Overland Park. Um, Whole family was involved. Two sisters, my brother, Kathy, Donna, Jim, mom and dad, grandma and grandpa that worked until they were in their mid to late 80s were still working there. So that's the way family restaurants are. That's the way we we were there every day. And I think that's a big part of what we miss. You know, like like Mike yeah, was saying, you know, you, you felt like family when you were there because you were surrounded by family. Did you work there? Oh, yeah, long time. How old okay. were you when you started? Uh, I think there's some laws against that today. but no, I, no, I, I think Laws, it's laws like don't apply to family. 12 or 13 years old, I can remember yeah. being in there, you know, helping doing something on Friday night or Saturday night. And then... Uh, by the time we sold the restaurant in 1988, I was pretty much running the whole kitchen, um, which was a giant operation. So most of the 70s and all the 80s, so during the prime. Yeah. So when, when you grew, growing up in that business, what did you take for granted then that you truly miss now? The family atmosphere. The, you just don't get that at very many of mm-hmm. the restaurants like we did. We employed, it seemed like, half of the city of Overland Park over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only was it about the food, it was also about people coming, sharing experiences, their families coming to get together, Kiwanis clubs, Hertoma clubs, all those people coming to us. It was just the whole experience. I think that's everything like that's lacking today. Yeah, Mike? You could go into John Francis Restaurant and see just about anybody – that lived or worked in Overland Park. I mean, you I, you would see the president of either of the banks in there, Ben Craig or John C. Uh, the uh, the big meeting room on the north. They had I don't know how many clubs they had that met there on a regular basis. I think there was every club, sir. Kiwanis, every one of them, and, mm-hmm. two or three uh, times a week, four times a week. And the and the dentist that worked in downtown Overland Park, Lou Roller. You could go in there and. He'd be there. Yep. But it was all about the people. So very local C and B scene kind of place. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, they started, they had seating for about 125. And then probably oh, late 70s, early 80s, we bumped that up to about 250. But, yeah, it was like every morning we had half the city council, the city manager, the mayor. They were all in there conducting business, having coffee and breakfast. That was normal every day. Did you ever move or relocate, or was it stay in the same spot? Always there, yeah. yeah. So some history about John Francis that a lot of people don't know, and I'll just take a couple of seconds. They moved from Linden, Kansas, to Merriam, which was literally right up the street back in the 40s, and he started 
two restaurants called France Cafe in 1941, and then they opened another one in 46. They were over in Kansas City. They sold both of those to move into the Overland Park location. Hmm. So. so when you were growing up, did you ever do homework in the corner? Oh, yeah. With your... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, when we were all growing up, we remember seeing that. You know, there was the family restaurant, whether it's a restaurant or diner. There's always the kids sitting in the corner quietly behaving themselves, doing all their homework. Just for the record, Toby and I never did homework. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, I can remember. As they say, in it shows. <laughs> my niece, Christy, used to sit in the corner Yeah. Uh, as she was growing up because her mom was working, my sister Kathy, so. Uh, yeah, it was it was it was quite an experience for sure. Yeah, you know what? It's interesting. I think in the last twenty years, the only time you see that nowadays is really ethnic restaurants. You know where you know you got somebody they're trying to establish themselves in the United States and their entire life and their families committed to the restaurant. So you'll see the kids, you know, as as little as three and four doing homework and 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 playing and studying in the restaurant. And, you, and it's when I see it, I miss it because I mean that's. You know, I grew up in Wichita, you know, back in the 70s, you know, and, and it's just I remember several restaurants that were like that. And you just don't see, you know, well, you're not going to see that with national chains. No. You know, that's part of, you know, some people think it's just local. And it's that when, with the national chains, you know, they get the formulas down. They do the manufactured food that everything comes in, you know. So it's you could eat at a chain X in Kansas City. You go to chain X in North Carolina. It tastes exactly the same. You know, Every but, single thing John Francis did was from scratch. All right, so uh, to, Every ex, single thing. Explain the Chicken in the Rough. Well, Chicken in the Rough was a franchise that started uh, Beverly Osborne, Oklahoma City. Um, I think it was back in the late 30s, early 40s, mm-hmm. if I remember right. Um, it was a franchise that was pretty popular across the country. Um, it was a seasoning mix that you mix with flour, and it was... Uh, a breading that you fried the chicken in. But what was different is the device you cooked the chicken in wasn't a cast iron pan, wasn't a deep fryer. It was a big griddle that had a lid on it that you closed. And so you all should not only were frying, you were probably a little bit keeping the moisture in there, almost like a pressure cooker of some sort. So Yeah, describe the 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 fryer itself. Because I mean when we talked about that, that was interesting. The fryer was probably four feet long, mm-hmm. two feet wide, uh, two inches deep at one end, maybe a half an inch deep on the other end. You filled it up with oil. You got the temperature right. You put the breast in, then the thighs, then the legs, then the wings, then the backs. The fryer could cook 100 pieces of chicken at a time. Yeah. So for the listeners, he was moving it from left to right. So this fryer was specifically designed for, for fried chicken. For chicken in the room. Yes. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. what's interesting because it, it what that really did was recreate the environment in a cast iron frying pan with one additional benefit to it being the shallower side. You could do you could do different depths of oil in different size cast mm-hmm. iron for the different right. type of pieces of the yeah. chicken breast, thighs. Oh, it's ingenious. Wing. It's ingenious what they came up with. Yeah. And I don't even know if that's I'd be curious if anybody out there knows, does that still exist? You know, you know, it, you know, where'd some of that go? There are three restaurants, two of them in the United States and one in Canada. Right. Right. Today, from what I understand, that are still serving chicken in the rough. Yeah. One in Oklahoma City, one in Michigan, and one in Ontario, Canada. Right. But I guarantee that when you guys closed down in 88, that, that winter restaurant auctions, 
there's somebody in this town or in the Midwest that probably still has that I fire. I would love to know. Oh, I, I would too. Where that is. Yeah. You know, and when we do a dedicated thing on fried chicken, people try to do it at home. You know, that pan fried chicken is a, what sets it apart. It's not deep fried, meaning it's not submerged. You know, and the beauty of that frying pan that they have there that you could do it all single layer and the wings and the smaller pieces are still only half submerged in the oil. Right. And it did not take very long as we were talking yeah. last week. Uh, took 15 minutes to cook the whole 100 pieces of chicken in 15 minutes. Yeah. Well, with how much seating did you have in that restaurant? 250 people. Yeah. So, I mean, you would have to be. We went through thousands of chickens a yeah. week. So. Whole. They came in whole, and we would cut them up manually, which was kind of another little story because um, some of the guys, my brother, Tom Lotes, a few guys that I used to work with and worked in the fire service after the fact, we would maybe have a little competition cutting up chicken, see who could cut it up the fastest. Uh, Ten pieces of chicken, cut up one chicken into ten pieces, 15 seconds. Wow. All right, so quick reminder to the listeners out there, if you have a question for John Francis or want to share a story of what happened at John Francis Restaurant, um, our phone number is 913-586-7798. Uh, welcome calls on that one. If you, you have, Get in right now. Get in right okay. now. Or if you have a different fried chicken story, we might entertain uh, uh, that a little bit too. But it's um, So what was the best-selling side dish that you guys had? Oh, boy. There were so many. Um, you know, we had a buffet two or three times a week, um, but we cinnamon rolls, homemade cinnamon rolls, that just kind of got served with everybody's meal, breakfast lunch, or lunch and dinner. Um, homemade pies, prime rib. Side uh, Macaroni and cheese was a really popular thing. So you did prime. Why the prime rib? I mean, that's totally different from fried chicken. Well, you know, we had uh, we sold a lot of prime rib and steaks on Friday and Saturday nights. Okay. A lot. We had people come from all over. Uh, and, you know, when you eat fried chicken three times a week, Vinny, um, <laughs> sometimes on Friday night you might want to have a yeah. steak instead. Yeah. Mike was one of those on buffet day, chicken buffet day too, or did you avoid that? Were you did, asking me if they had chicken yeah. on the buffet? Yeah. Did you of course go to, they did. Okay. That's why I went there. Yeah. Did you ever take any of it home with you? No. So, a quick story. Yeah. On Sundays, my sister would tell this better than anybody. On Sundays after church, we got very, very busy. And some of the women that used to come into the restaurant had great big purses. <laughs> and they had the inside of their purse would be lined with foil. And they'd go through the buffet and they'd eat a couple pieces of chicken. They'd put three or four in their purse. <laughs> And by the time they got ready to leave, their purse had enough chicken in there for to feed the whole family for the week. I guess some things never change, right? Uh, it's just that was, you know, we didn't, we just kind of laughed it off back yeah. then. We I mean, did, it just, it didn't bother us Well, it's a family much. restaurant. We all have yeah. that member of the family that's like that, so you yeah. take it for granted. John, how many hours a day was the restaurant open? What were the hours back then? Uh, you know, for the longest time, we were open seven days a week. Uh, that hurt. That was a lot of work. So yeah. we went to six days, and that was probably in the early 80s, late 70s. I can't remember for sure. I was fairly young then. Um, 6.30 in the morning till 9 or 10 o'clock at night. Yeah. Six nights a week, six days a week. Okay. So this is more of a cooking um, question. So I've had, I've talked to several people that said you guys had the best fried chicken. 
So nowadays, everybody's fancy with fried chicken. Sometimes they do buttermilk brine, you know, sour cream brine, all kind of stuff. Some kind of a sugar salt seasoned brine. Did you guys brine your chickens at all? No. We literally took them right out of the case, packed in ice, cut them up. You just they weren't soaked in anything. They weren't. We didn't coat them with anything. We basically wanted them fairly dry, and we'd mix them in with the flour and the seasoning, and they'd go straight to the fryer. So since um, at that closed, you didn't have access to that seasoning mix that you mix the flowers. Have you been able to recreate that? I can get really close. There are a couple of things that. I'm not positive. I can't remember, but it's basic spices that we have, everybody has at home. It's the so, basic stuff. So when you crave fried chicken, do you eat out now or do you make it at home? Oh, we eat out. We cook at home six days, probably six times a week. Yeah. But we eat out. Um, if we did fried chicken uh, today, we'd probably go to RC's in Martin okay. City. Yep, that'd, that'd be probably one of my first my top yeah. three choices. Yeah, RCs. Because they, they still do it the old-fashioned way. Mm-hmm. We'll have to talk to somebody in the kitchen see if maybe they bought your fryer. I don't back know. Then. I mean, they've been around for I a while. i find they, that. Yeah. I, I, I think one of, one of our listeners will be able to. I'll make that one of my mysteries to solve. <laughs> what happened to the fryer? So in 1988, when we sold the restaurant, the fryer was still there. The fryer was purchased in the, in the deal. I believe in an 89 or 90, that restaurant got sold again. And I think that's maybe where that fryer ended yeah. up going elsewhere. Yeah. Because if you're going to do pan fried, you'd have, you know, because they have those giant cast iron frying pans, you'd have to have three different depths of oil to be able to do that right. Right. Yeah. Which is what you could make shift some type of a lid for it pretty yeah. easily. Yeah. That could be done. But, you know, yeah. that's kind of. One of the little rabbit holes we'll go t- go through on this show is try to get down the nitty-gritty on maybe what made that just a little tiny bit of difference because there's a lot of us food hobbyists that love to, to try to figure out how to make things. Well, I can tell you, you can put that fried chicken in a deep fryer or a cast iron skillet or that chicken in the rough cooker, and there's night and day difference hmm. in what it looked like and tasted like. Yeah, yeah. So, so you're not deep frying in a pressure fryer like Kentucky Fried Chicken. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, that's real good. You know, it's, so it's, um, so if, so get back to the sides. If there was one side that you could have recreated from back then, what would you pick? Oh, boy. Gosh, that's, that's a tough I've got question. one. Okay, go ahead. Cherry pie. Oh, really? <laughs> from from oh, there? We, we made a lot of pies, all homemade. Who made them? We had a baker that came in at 4 5 o'clock in the morning and worked till, you know, noon or two o'clock. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, chocolate cream pie, coconut, banana, peanut butter. Peanut butter cream pie was probably a number one deal. Really? A Dutch apple, regular apple, cherry, boysenberry, gooseberry, strawberry, strawberry rhubarb. Did you just rhubarb, rotate them you know. in and out, or yeah, did you always have seasonal all seasonal and different things like that. But the cream pies were every day. Mm-hmm. Peanut butter cream pie. Peanut butter huh. cream pie. Huh. And that was the old-fashioned version where you actually cooked it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... It's really good. So they obviously made your own crust and all that kind of stuff. Made your own crust, made but, our own rolls, bread. Cinnamon rolls were big, 80 dozen a day, easy 80 dozen. Um, yeah, it was. But you don't have any of those recipes. Oh, I do. Oh, do you really? Right here. All right. Okay. All right. You and I. <laughs> I need, got some of the right. stuff written down. All right. You and I need to talk about the pies and the Robert, crust. Robert, everything and all that. from scratch there. It oh. was a place to eat. Yeah. 
I mean, that makes all the difference in the world. That's the hard part about this. You know, 35 years later, somebody will say, you know, can you make a can you make a batch of cinnamon rolls? Well, my recipe's for 40 dozen. <laughs> I, I need as much counter space as we have in here in the yeah. studio to pull that off. But, um, you know, you can cut it down and cut it down and cut it down to make it manageable. But then it starts being a little different. Yeah, it, it, it people ask me about that when I do test recipes and I scale it up or scale it down. It's 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 not simple math, uh, you know. With no. cooking, it is a lot of times, but baking, it is not. Baking's different, you know. And so you have to make allowance. So uh, did you use shortening? Do you use lard? Yeah, the pies back then. Yes, we did. Which one? Uh, shortening. Shortening. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And see, that's hard to replicate because shortening today is so different from what it was back then. Because mm-hmm. you know that it's uh, it, it was really good shortening. Then they started hydrogenating, and then doing some other stuff, and then. Then they made that illegal, and they made other changes, and it's just that'd be the hardest thing to replicate on that. Yeah, I can't imagine. I mean, we didn't have to deal with those changes back then yeah. when we were still in business. Yeah, we just kept doing what we'd been doing for all the years yeah. that was right. But yeah. yeah, that would be a challenge today. So, when your family sold the business, what did you guys miss the most? What What was the big reason you sold that? Just getting help was a very difficult in Overland Park in the late eighties. Ran out of family we, members. We were running well, family members were worn out. Yeah. Uh family members, my my oldest sister, she's a professor, retired up in New York now, but um everybody was worn out. Yeah. You know, there's only so many hours a week that you can put into the family restaurant. Um it took it took its toll, so you know, it was nothing for me to show up at four o'clock in the morning and go home at ten o'clock at night. How old were you when they um, when the restaurant shut down? Oh, 1988. It would have been 27, 28 okay. years old, twenty nine years old. So you had to go out and find a real job, oh, a real career. Uh, yeah, I did that pretty quick. Yeah, that was hard. Pretty quick. So uh, I worked for the Overland Park Fire Department for thirty four years. And probably one of the reasons why, so did my brother. Yeah. Uh, my dad was a volunteer. And I think what happened is every day you look out in the dining room, there's the Overland Park Fire Chief, there's the Prairie Village Fire Chief, there's the Lenexa Fire Chief. They're all coming to have lunch or dinner. We got to know those people personally over the years. They were friends. And next thing you know, you know, 35 years later, I'm retired from the fire department. Time flies, doesn't it? Oh, it does. It's amazing how quick it goes. So did you have any specific memories of anything that occurred at the restaurant? Well, t- talking about... Statue the, of limitations has passed, Talking so you're about safe. the fire department um, and, t- and listening to Ed Holland, my friend Ed Holland last week. Ed tried to burn down EBT and setting off all the alarms. Well, <laughs> we didn't have alarms because we were not in a four-story building or a five-story building, whatever EBT was down there in the corner. Um, but we did have a smoky fire that started in a storeroom in the basement many, many, many years ago. The fire department came. There's fire trucks parked out front, you know, red lights and sirens going. And Pete and fire hose dragged right through the middle of the dining room. <laughs> and people were still coming in. They were getting upset because we couldn't feed them. They had to get their chicken in the rough. <laughs> we had to get this fire put out, and they were still coming in. All right, Mike, do you want to apologize for your behavior that day? <laughs> <laughs> I never did understand why we couldn't get the chicken that day. <laughs> yeah. 
No, that's a lot of friendships were made, you know, back in those days. It's like you were saying the presidents of the bank and Schmitty's Hardware and, and, you know, all these people that we knew forever and ever and ever were there almost every day. And then one year, and I think it was in the early 80s, Overland Park had an ice storm and everybody lost power. Everybody lost power. For like eight or nine days, it was mm. bad. I was just living a couple of few blocks away from the restaurant. We did almost a month's worth of business in one week because everybody and had no power, no food, no refrigerator, nothing worked. We had power. Everybody came and ate every meal with us. It was crazy. Yeah, we happened to live on 88th Street then, and you could hardly walk down the street oh, because of the way the trees were all tinted was, with ice. It was it was horrible. Yeah, it was horrible. But so so you were talking about then, you know, that was a family business and you know that eventually the, the, the family wore out. Describe what it's like when, when you say the word family business. So were you open seven days a week, six days a week? Six, yeah. Six days what day did you close? Monday? Closed on Mondays. Closed on Monday. Yeah. So what was what did that mean? What did you do on Mondays? Oh, on Mondays, if I was lucky, I might have got up early in the morning and went fishing or hunting for a little while. But primarily by noon, I was back placing orders, calling the meat company, seeing Lady Baltimore, placing all the dry good orders, getting people scheduled. Um, you know, it's a big place. We had 75 or 80 employees. So it Yeah, was, so were you able to take vacations? I mean, what's the personal toll it takes on the family? That's why I don't think people understand. Yeah, this is important. Um, No. We took a two-week vacation back in uh, probably the mid-'70s. The whole family loaded up the wagon, went to Yellowstone. Oh, really? It was awesome. It was awesome. I'd love to go back. But we were remodeling the restaurant, and that's the only reason we closed for two weeks. And that's the only reason why we were able to go do what we did. Yeah. You know, for the people out there listening, I want you to understand that because, you know, that era is gone. But there's there's still a, quite a few restaurants and businesses in town that are that are family owned. I mean, it, when the when it's family owned, the entire family is committed to it. You know, they give up their vacations. You know, they give up a lot of things that, um, you know, that they that normal families, you know, would be able to do. Yeah, you know, a lot of people don't realize this. I mean, there's some people will remember we used to be open on holidays. Holidays was a big day for us, including Thanksgiving, Mother's Day, Valentine's Day. All those days were record-setting days where we served more food than you can imagine. All right, uh, John, I have a couple questions on the text line. Uh, Somebody came in a little bit late. Uh, Describe where your restaurant was in Overland Park. One block west of 80th Street, one block west of Metcalf on 80th Street. Okay. 7148 West 80th. Is the building as it looked then still there? It is still there. What's what's in that? Mia Ranchito's Mexican restaurant oh, sure. is in there. And they have been obviously done very well because they've been there for okay, many years. Okay, so that's years. the spot you're in. Okay, so yep. that is just south, um, east of the farmer's market for people that have been to that area. That's correct. Uh, Mia Ranchito. So you're in the old... Uh, in, so th- 
they're in your spot. Okay, well, yep. that's good. Yep. So another caller or another person on the text line, what kind of oil did you fry the chicken in? Well, it was shortening. Okay. Um, and, I, you know, it came in a 50-pound box. I can't remember. Did that ever change? I mean, no. always the same thing? No, it was right. always the same thing. Yeah, so the, the, the cooks out here that want to do that, you're going to have to do a little bit of research on the type of commercial shortening that was available in the 70s and 80s. Yeah. Because I think it was the late 90s, early 2000s when they had to change the formulation on shortening. And yeah. that 100% affected the taste. And so that would be, you know, if the, if you, for those of us that missed good fried chicken from back then, there's two problems. One is what it was fried in. The biggest problem is the quality of the chicken. Why did they have to change the shortening? Um, they started figuring out the heart disease and trans fats, you know, and different things like that. Um, they, they, the shortening was really good. It was like vegetable or animal shortening on there. But then they started doing trans fat with a way of chemically treating the shortening so it was more shelf-stable and cheaper. Mm. So it didn't have to be refrigerated. It was good for two years, something like that. Then after they started doing that for a number of years, they figured out that that's what's leading to heart disease. Okay. So then they, they, then they, they basically prohibited this, say, you got to take this out. So it's changed a lot, but... Um, that's something we can, if I, if I learn from somebody who's into food science from back then, I'll share that on my email and in a future show on that one. But the chickens back then too, that, you know, nowadays your chickens are factory chickens. I mean, it takes, I think 45 days from the, the, from when a chicken is hatched to when it's, they're able to harvest that. I mean, they're kept in a little cage, they're fed. I mean, it's, it's, they're, they're, they're growing rapidly back then. You didn't have factories doing that. There was real chickens living outdoors, living on feed, getting exercise. I can remember we specifically uh, told them that we wanted a chicken that weighed, I'm going to guess and say two and three quarter to three and a quarter pounds. They were had to be in our the range right. to have the pieces the same size. They were delivered at the back door every single morning, yeah. Yeah. fresh every morning. You know, and for the consumers out there, I got to tell you, you know, it's... We, as consumers as a whole, we say, I miss the good old days. You know, let's talk about fried chicken. Then you have, so if you have a restaurant that wants to do it like the good old days, you'll buy some like Gerber Amish chickens from Ohio that are field raised and naturally fed. Um, they serve that. Uh, there's a restaurant um, in town, Rye, that they do that. They spend the extra money buying those quality chickens. But then the consumer, they, then, then they complain, okay, how come the breast isn't two pounds each? You know, well, the reason is because they're not being force-fed. Right. The wild chickens are not. So, I mean, that the, there's a little bit less meat on the bone back then, but the quality is so much better. So for those of us that say, I want to relive the old days, I want fried chicken just like it used to be, then you've got to change your expectations on how big, how big and meaty it was, you know, what it looks like. You know, if you want to enjoy that taste, forget about what it looked, what you've gotten used to in the last 20 years and what it looks like. Because these gargantuan breasts that you see on the chicken that you get from Costco, Sam's, or grocery store, that, that does not exist naturally in nature. No. It does not. Um, so, on, <laughs> so okay, somebody just said you cheated on the chicken cutting contest. They said that you had a secret cleaver. I still have okay, all my fingers. Okay, do you, do you want to come clean on this? I still have all my fingers. Okay, tell us I, I, never, I never took the gold medal. I might have taken the silver medal on all that. Right. But so what's the story on the secret cleaver that you used? Uh, you had to have a pretty sharp knife, and it had to be really heavy because you had to, when you split the breast and split the thighs, you had to break through the bones. But um, and to, to do it in that 15 or 16 seconds, um, 
That's world record material. <laughs> so you're saying that, yes, it is true that you cheated on that contest. I did not cheat. My brother or there are several other people that would win that competition every day. If not you me. Okay. Not me. That's interesting. I, there's no name signed on this post, but I do have his uh, cell phone number. We'll talk afterwards. Yeah, I bet I know who it <laughs> you, is. You know who that yeah, is? Probably do. <laughs> probably do. All right. So what else? Um, what else can you tell us about that? What you miss, or what we might miss, or what we would want to know? Well, the buffet, the the like we talked about, the buffet was a big deal. Tuesday nights, Thursday nights, Sunday all day long. How much chicken would you go through? Oh my goodness. On a Sunday, we'd probably go through six, seven, eight cases of chicken, and I couldn't tell you how many chickens were in a case. It was a whole bunch. Yeah. Um, so well over thousands of pieces a day. Um, and you cut all your own chicken. Cut every one of them. See, up. that's something that nowadays, I mean, no restaurant does. I mean, it all yeah. comes in pre-cut. That's why doing it in that sub-20 seconds was was cost efficient that <laughs> was way back then. Yeah, it was important. <laughs> yeah. All right. In all fairness, how many times did you do it in that fifteen seconds? I just don't that, I may I may be able to have done it once or twice. I may have tried <laughs> to do it back in the after the restaurant days at the fire department to show guys that it could be done oh, yeah. in fifteen seconds. But uh it's really hard. And you know, it's, you got you could cut yourself too. You gotta oh, be yeah. careful. So. Yeah. Well you want to win, but you right. you also want to keep all, all right. your all your digits about you. The buffet deal, though, that was pretty fun because they, you know, we had the chicken, we had the different sides, we had uh, roast beef, bone-in ham, carved, you know, per person, a big salad bar, and the salad bar was all the whole, everything homemade, every dressing homemade, the big giant forty-pound block of cheddar cheese that uh, maybe one of the other restaurants in Kansas City got famous for. I don't know if we were first or second on that. I can't remember. Doesn't matter. Um, but that was, that was fun. That was a lot of people went through that. A lot of people traveled back then. They would come from Paola or Osawatomie or Topeka or Lawrence to come and have their Sunday dinner, Friday night dinner. And today that doesn't even sound like much driving from Paola to to Overland Park to have dinner. But back then there wasn't anything really in between Overland Park and Paola. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you uh, when your family finally sold the business in '88, what's the first vacation you guys went on? Oh, because I, I went right to work. Oh, did you really? I went right to work. I yeah. mean, I was busy working. Uh, my brother was. Uh, both sisters were working. One of them was probably in getting more degrees in college. Uh, oh, because you were all older, not in the house anymore, yeah. which is part of the problem. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. that. That, that's interesting. So if, if there's anybody else out there that has a food memory on fried chicken, um, go ahead and call in with that at 913-586-7798. So Toby and I could decide if it's even worth having another discussion on fried chicken or if it's just going to end right here with John Francis. Mike, did you have any other stories you wanted to share with us? No. I was a lucky man to have eaten at John Francis' restaurant. Well, you know, I, I, <clears> and I wish day. all of you could do the same. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that's the beauty of this. That I, So I moved here too late to really – so I, I moved here in 86, and so I didn't have the opportunity to do it. But I truly miss – I regret the fact that I never got to experience it. I mean, just hearing the stories, it's the kind of place I would have absolutely loved. 
you know, just everything about it. You know, and the stories were, there was a lot of stories that 10, 15, 20 years ago. Now, as we're getting older, and a lot of our customers back then are probably no longer with us, yeah. there's fewer and fewer people that realize that that place even existed. So it's difficult. Now, you know, I can remember going to the store and writing a check for something, and they look at my check and go, are you related to the restaurant? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we'd talk for 15 minutes. Today, that wasn't even no. a topic of conversation. Yeah. So. Well, somebody on the text line, I wish they would call in, um, 0370. Um, the, their comment was, we celebrated a lot of events at John Francis Restaurant, and they said, thank you for the memories. Yeah, we appreciate that. That was that was probably one of the most important things that I remember is not just people would come to the restaurant to celebrate wedding rehearsals, to celebrate family get-togethers, uh, celebrate graduations, high school football games afterwards would come there. It was always about coming and, and having an experience at John Francis restaurant. Yeah. That was really, it wasn't always about the food or the fried chicken. Right. It was the atmosphere of these people coming to us and, and getting together and sharing that experience. Yeah. You were amongst friends when you were at John Francis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my grandfather, well, we all did, but my grandfather mainly would just walk up and down the aisles talking to every single person. He knew every person that yeah. walked through the doors. Yeah. We all did, and they knew us, and that's what made it special. But Yeah. So. You know, that, you talk about, you know, not going on vacations. That camaraderie, the relationship you have with the customers makes up for all that. You know? It does. It, you know, it when, does. When somebody has a death in the family, they come and tell you about it before you read about it because they know you care. Yep. I mean, that, that just rocks your world when people come and do that. Yep. If somebody's sick or somebody's like that, they come to you, hey, Mike's not coming here because he's in the hospital right now, and he wanted you to know that. You know, that's kind of thing that it, it moves you. Right, right. You know, it, it you you never forget something like that. Yeah, there's a couple of you know. My grandfather was involved in a lot of things besides just the restaurant. He, it was not uncommon for him to be sitting in his little teeny office writing a letter to the president of the United States, and a couple of weeks later getting a response back. Just talking about small business yeah. and different things like that. Um, Another thing people, a lot of people don't realize is he was one of the driving factors that started theater in the park at Shawnee Mission Park. Because he was the drama teacher at He was the at band Mission, teacher band te- at, Shawnee Mission North. at Shawnee Mission High School, Okay, which is just right yeah. over here. So, so it, which is now North, right? Yep, which okay. is Shawnee Mission North. But it was the only high school back then. The only high school. Yeah. yeah. So what did he have to do with, um, with Shawnee Mission Park or the theater in the park? He, uh, well, he was, he's the one that got it going. He's the one that got it started to help get it going. I don't know if he helped with funding to get it going or his idea. That was just something that he didn't really talk a whole lot about. He just, it happened. Oh. And we have a caller, Joe. Right. Welcome to Kansas City Food Memories. Uh, yeah, this is Dan actually, but yeah, okay. <laughs> I was I was calling about, uh, and I know you guys remember this too. And, and John, I remember my dad. In fact, you said you were twenty eight and eighty eight, 
So we're the same age. But I remember my dad taking us into John Francis from, we lived out at, uh, in Stanley, 151st and Schweitzer House is still there. But for many, many years after that, when you guys closed, it was Joe's Barn was, was the place to go for fried chicken oh, and yeah. cinnamon rolls. Yeah. I mean, it was, of course, it was legendary. It had, you know, it was kind of a novelty for people to come out from the city. And uh, that, that building was converted from a from a uh, antique barn with a uh, with a dirt floor. And I think they laid some bricks for the floor. But you guys remember, if you were out there, that uh, you, you drink out of mason jars. And that was kind of the big <laughs> deal. But, but we had many, many years of of great experiences when I was a kid going from church. We'd go out after church, we'd go to Joe's barn and, and, uh, actually the day that they closed or the week that they closed, we had a flagpole in our yard and we put it a half staff. <laughs> so, uh, we, uh, we loved it. And of course, when you, you, the lady, you guys were talking about, uh, fried chicken places and do we have enough of those memories to warrant a show? I think so. I think of course in Kansas city, fried chicken starts at Stroud's and, and then it goes, goes other places. But Joe's barn was, uh, was, was many years of, of great eating there. So, yeah. I, I, I'm with you. I, we definitely have to spend a whole show reliving some of those old places, the original Stroud's. Yes. You know, and there's some interest under the, under the overpass. Great memories there too. So was there any other one that you, who else? Go ahead. RC's, you mentioned RC's. Yeah. Uh, RC's is one of the one of the staples too, as far as fried chicken and go chicken go. As far if you like gizzards, there's no better place in the world to get uh, gizzards than go chicken go. I, I don't know I, how many I agree times with I, that one. Oh yeah. yeah, I don't know. Don't know how many times I've driven my car by there and the steering wheel just takes over, and the next thing you know, I'm in the I'm in the drive-through. Yeah, so. it, it, if and if I were ever to go, I'd park on the side so nobody would see my car parking there. But I'd, I've I've partaken in a few gizzards from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had I, I, a couple of times. I'd eat a, a box of gizzards on the way home, and 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 my and before I'd go in, I'd try to wipe my face and get the grease off, put it in the trash can, and my wife would have dinner ready, and I'd say, "Hey, honey, what's for dinner?" And then I'd already I already had a box of gizzards. From, yeah, I, I think I think we've all been there. <laughs> safe to admit yeah. that well thank you i appreciate you calling and sharing that with you and uh be sure to either sign up for the email or listen to the show we'll try to i'll try to give at least a week or two's notice on when we do that because that's going to be a pretty busy show i think oh I'd, I'd love to be a part of that too so I just, good i really enjoy the uh you guys and, and toby tobin uh great memories heck your dad wore a a jumpsuit that uh that inspired me to get one way yes, back in the day yeah. i remember remember those so yeah. and uh, me... love the old love the old kansas city memories especially when it comes to food and fried chicken i'm right there with you well, <laughs> well, well track me down you can find me on 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 the facebook page shoot me an email so i so i okay. have your contact information all right sounds good thank you very much thanks for calling oh you're welcome bye bye where is go chicken go oh it's kind of a it's it's there. I think there's four or five around town. Really? Yeah. There's okay. there's one on um, Olathe. There's one on Shawnee Drive, north of here. Okay. Um, there's I've one never, right by Rockhurst. There's University. one over. Yeah. There's one by Rock, not too far from Rockhurst. Yeah. Over on. Yeah. You can you can Google that. Yeah. I mean it's it's okay. Now it. I, I love gizzards. Okay. Well, I need to prepare you. You're taking a step back in time. There's no tablecloth. No there's there's no tablecloth or anything in there. I'm still back in time. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, some of these younger kids, I don't think they can handle eating there, but I think I we... used to go to Jack Stack all the time oh, yeah. and have gizzards. Oh, yeah. And they oh, don't no. do that anymore. Yeah. No, that, that, that's hard to find Still good gizzards. Still get pretty good ones at RC's. In RC's? City. Okay. Yeah. RC's would be a good one. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm, we're going to have to try track down, get some more information on RC's and how long they've been in business and doing their fried chicken. But That family's been in business a long time uh, with Jess and Jim's and RC's right there. That's uh yeah oh that's good I mean I I talk with Joseph good morning all Joseph right. welcome to Kansas City Food Memories yeah hi uh, I don't know I just turned in but I don't know if anybody's uh, brought this chicken place up uh, but uh, I think the best chicken in town used to be a uh, Pitco's chicken did you ever have Pitco's chicken or ever heard of it no I we're all looking at never heard of it where where was it and when well it was uh, they had a, uh, a catering business but what they used to is they had a reception hall uh, down at, uh, I believe it was the 5th and State in uh, KCK, uh, and they would rent out the uh, space for uh, wedding receptions and parties and things like that. They uh, cooked their own food, uh, a lot of Croatian food they, they cooked, and uh, everybody swears that was uh, probably the best place to have a reception, and they had the best food, and especially they had the best chicken. Huh. And what kind of food did you say? They, did you say Russian? Croatian. Croatian, okay. They had uh, povetica and sarma, uh, poli sausage, and like I said, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, some other people have some memories. Yeah. Of, uh, when do you think they chicken. disappeared? Uh, it's been at least 25 years ago. They, the, okay. The, two, the, the mom and dad, they uh, passed away, and, uh, and kind of the recipe, I think, probably uh, passed away with them. Well, good. I'll do some digging on that, and listeners... If anybody knows anything about that. P-I-T-K-O, chicken. All right. So I've got that down. uh, All right. uh, I want to bring up another uh, restaurant that uh, went by the wayside a long time ago. I don't know if anybody's brought it up, but uh, do you remember the Little Angus there on Broadway? Nope. We're all Um, looking at each other. No on that one, too. uh, You might want to do some research on that. That went out of business probably 25 years ago, maybe 30 it uh, was a little shack right where I think the Vietnam uh, Memorial's at, uh, called the Little Angus. Uh, they had about the 30 hamburgers, at least, on their menu. Uh, you know, stuff like a mushroom burger, uh, 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 horseradish uh, burgers. And it was the, the best burgers in town. They uh, decided to uh, close that shop down and move a block or two to the north on the corner, build a, a bigger restaurant about the 10 times the original size, and about a year or two later, they went out of business. But uh, Little Angus, All right, that's another so, one to put on your list. Okay, so for uh, Joseph and everybody else listening, uh, sign up for the email because we are going to do a themed show on hamburgers from the 80s and 90s. And uh, Vinny will probably start that off with Smacks. With some smack talk, smackaroo. Yeah, the smackaroo. Yeah, I'm gonna the do another. Burgers. Yep, I'm gonna do another one on fried chicken, and I uh, sometime in the next three weeks, I have one focusing on the urban core, some of the original restaurants from the urban core that drove a lot of this, a lot of this growth too. So thank you, Joseph. I appreciate you calling in with those. You've given us you a bet. little. Thanks. Yeah, you've given us a little homework to kind of pursue on that one. I think between the. Many years of experience between you three, you should be able to come up with something for me. Michael, how many smackaroos did you have a week? <laughs> as many times as I could get somebody to take me over there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what did you eat when you weren't eating fried chicken? 
Smackaroos. And, and Smackaroos. Was there was there anything else that you had? Oh, all kinds of things. Yeah, uh, that's funny. I ate a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I'm, I'm with you. All right, so we're coming up um, towards the end of the show. Vinny, did, is there any other story you wanted to share about Toby? Jake, you, you, owe, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> that was terrible. I could hardly walk home from the village to yes, the house. Yes. What was the, the um, I was trying to think the name of the place? Oh, that was Bruce Smith Drugstore. Bruce Smith Drugs. So we used to have Jenks, you owe me a Coke, and I let mm-hmm. Mike count up to, what'd you get to? I think I was up to like 11 or so. And so I said, stop, and I ordered 11. And he drank them all. And he's like four or five blocks from Bruce Smith. And we're walking back to his house, and he could step about five or ten times and then throw up. Oh. <laughs> well, that's a nice way to end the yeah, show, Toby. Cool. <laughs> all right. I thought you would like now, that. Now I just have you answer the phones on, on my show. <laughs> all right, John, how would you like to kind of uh, cleanse our palate here with yeah. a good story? Well, I appreciate having come out here and visiting. It brought back a lot of great memories. Um, I know I forgot half the things. Oh, it's yeah. been 35 years ago since we even had a restaurant. So, uh, you know, anybody that has a memory – Please reach out and uh, let's just keep this thing rolling. Oh, yeah. I'm sure uh, you'll get a lot of phone calls and emails after this. I was talking to Ed. He said after last week's show, he said he couldn't even tell me how many people heard it on the show and right. talked about different things. But uh, when we do the fried chicken show, I'm going to see if maybe I can get a panel, see if I can get uh, Colby Garlitz from Rye, you know, the kind of the modern take on fried chicken and, and a couple of old timers. See, you're an old timer now. So we can kind uh, of, yeah. I, I, I just, you know, I want to, I want to, part of it's going to be sharing the old <laughs> memories and the other part of it is kind of try to figure out why, you know, how can we relive that today? You know, what, what are the challenges that we're going to face? Cause some, there's a lot of us that just really geek out on cooking at home and try to chef things out. Right. And so I, I think um, we bring in some experts that really understand the history of food. I think that's going to be a big deal. And right, so John, I really appreciate you coming out here today. Um, with Vinny and just sharing some of those memories and uh, keep in touch with me. We'll do. You know, so we can um, uh, get some more stories from your dad. We'll and do. I really appreciate that. You got anything, Toby? Jake, you owe me a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to work on Vinny promised me he was going to share some really good stories on Toby. I have lots of stories yeah. about Toby. Well, you talk. That was a good story on Mike. Well, yeah, you yeah. talk big, but one dirty look from Toby and you clammed up today. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm a little disappointed in you today, yeah. Mike. Uh, he, I, 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 I'm cutting you off from free lunches until you give me some good dirt. Toby used to be a house painter, <laughs> and he also used to be a boat captain. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Appreciate you listening okay. to Can't Save Food Memories. Bye. This concludes this broadcast of Kansas City Food Memories.